Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the author of our story. It's not what happened to us. It's not what others have said about us. It's not what we've said about ourselves, because sometimes we become our own worst enemy. Isn't that right? But it's discovering the author and the finisher of our faith. It's discovering the one that has the ability to partner with us so we can rewrite our story. So how do we rewrite our story? There's three basic things. Number one, we have to recognize God has an original plan and purpose for our lives. Number two, we have to see ourselves as God sees us. This is such a key, guys. We have to see ourselves as God sees us. If our God so valued all of humanity, all of it, that includes me, that includes you, right? So that he sent Jesus to pay the highest price through his shed blood, through his death, burial, and resurrection. If that price was paid, it was because you hold value. It's because of who God sees that you are. We have to have revelation of that. Because if we don't have revelation of who God or how God sees us, we'll believe every lie. We'll believe the voices. We'll believe our experiences over truth. Thirdly, we need to renew our mind. That means we've got to change the way we think. If we don't change the way we think in alignment to what God thinks about us, what the word of God says about us, by the very heart of love and character that our Father holds towards us, if we don't change the way we think, we will live our entire life believing lies. We will let our lies write our story. We will let our shame write our story rather than God being the author and the finisher. What is shame anyway? It's just a false identity. That's all it is. It's when we believe lies about ourselves. See, I want you to know, and everything I'm going to say in the next three verses, you have heard me say over and over and over and over. If you've heard me preach for any length of time, I always bring these scriptures up. But God has an amazing preordained plan for us. We were a seed in the heart of God before the foundations of the world. Ephesians 1.4 says that we were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. So before there was the sun, the moon, and the star, you were a seed in his heart. He put everything inside of you that you would ever need to be successful. He chose what time in history you would be born. And he put a passion on the inside of you that has come straight from his heart. I love it in the Passion Translation. And in love, you know, whenever it talks about the Father, it talks about love, 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 love. And us in our world, we have so perverted the definition of love. Love is a powerful choice to do what is good for someone else. If I love Reuben, I can make a conscious choice to do what is good for him. It's not what I feel like doing this morning, but what is good for you. That is love. And in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Guys, Rebecca was a surprise to us. But she wasn't a surprise to heaven. He chose her. And happened to bless us with her. We didn't plan. We didn't purpose. We were surprised. In fact, we were ones who were never going to have kids. 
We thought it would hinder ministry. <laughs> so we, didn't, we weren't going to have kids. We didn't want them. But then one day, after thinking I had flu for a couple weeks, I went to the doctor. And he said, sweetheart, this isn't the flu. You're pregnant. And I thought, what is Stephen going to say? Oh, no, I was sweating it the whole way home. What is Stephen going to do? I walked in the door, and he knew, he knew I was going to the doctor, and he had a smile on his face, and he said, what's the story, morning glory? And I burst into the tears, and I said, I'm pregnant. And he says, well, praise God. Whew. And then I began to bleed. And I mean, I was, I was just bleeding, hemorrhaging, as it were. And here he is, carrying me to the bathroom. Because he didn't want me to lose this valuable treasure. What a few days before, we didn't want kids. A few days after, we're trying everything we can to protect that baby in my womb. And in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. There is no accidents. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. When God chose us in him, through his eyes, he looks at us with unstained innocence. I don't know about you, but my life before Jesus was a lot of stains. <laughs> Tide couldn't get it out. Nothing could get it out. I couldn't shake it out of my own soul. Until the Savior of my soul. God has a preordained plan. So it goes from him choosing us in him before the foundations of the world to verse 13, where it says, in whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth. Guys, I want to give you truth today. And on March 7th, March 14th, man, I'm giving you truth. Because it's the truth that's going to bring freedom to us. It's going to be the truth that breaks off the lies. It's going to be the truth that gives us courage to discover our very reason for being. That you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. The first place of truth. In fact, I put it on uh, Facebook today. I had this revelation as I was preparing this for this week. I thought, oh my gosh, it's February. It's exactly 45 years after I got delivered from alcohol and I had a revelation that God existed because I said, God, if you're there, do something in my life. I wake up the next morning, I'm delivered of alcohol and my goodness, I had a revelation. My God knows me. He is aware of me. We all need to know that we're seen. And he showed me, I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know I got saved that night. It took a while until I figured out that's what happened. I didn't know all the scriptures. I just had an encounter with my God, with my Father. And something shifted inside of me. Oh, I had no idea the years that it would take for truth to be established inside of me so I could get totally free. But from where I was one day and where I was the next day, I was transformed. I went from Mel Mel, everybody can go to hell, to mellow. They started calling me mellow. What's happened to you? And I said, I don't know. All I said is, God, if you're there, do something in my life. I don't want to drink alcohol anymore. And they're going, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I couldn't explain anything to them because I didn't know it yet. You talk about the goodness of God, but what happens? When we know truth, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Come here, Reuben. The moment Reuben got saved, he was sealed with the Holy Spirit. 
But you know, there's some more truth. The more you began to discover who you were, the value that you held, that it wasn't based upon what happened to you. It wasn't the religious traditions of man that brought freedom. When you came to a point where you knew you needed Jesus, it was that truth. But then when he started getting revelation of who he was, he was sealed. He goes, now, because you know the truth, now you can have your inheritance. Now you can walk into the fullness of the things of God. This is what I planned for you. I love you. Come on, guys. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. God chose us in him before the foundations of the world and before where lies controlled us, the more we know the truth, the more we will be sealed with the Holy Spirit to say, Rob, you can have it now. You just got revelation, Mary? Yes, you can have it now. Charlene, that light bulb turning on when you were reading the word the other day, now you can have it. Because wherever there is revelation, whenever we have an encounter with God, that's the power of a worship service. When you're in his presence and you sense his presence, it's not about goosebumps. It's about an encounter with truth. It's about an encounter with the Father's heart. And everything that the Father does in us carries with it a supernatural grace to impact our lives. It's not about goosebumps. It's not about ooey-gooey feelings. It's not about emotions. It's about a grace that changes us. And as we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, verse 17, Paul said, he prays for him. Because he said that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul's praying for him. Guys, I want you to have revelation. You know, I can stand up here and I can say a lot of things, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't bring revelation, you leave here the same you came. It's not about preaching good. It's not about being eloquent. It's not about emotion. It's not about stirring somebody up unless it's in faith. It's about the Holy Spirit himself bringing revelation in the knowledge of him. See, the more I know who my father is, the more I know who I am in him and who he is in me. And when I see who he is in me, then it's not pride to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's got my back. Nothing is too difficult for my God. That the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Reuben, I'm not picking on Dan today. I'll pick on Reuben. Because the fact is, I wasn't even going to. Gonna put this blindfold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mhm. Okay. I know you can't see. That's the whole point. Okay. <laughs> I think we got it upside down, but that's all right. It serves the point. Okay. See, the fact is, <laughs> the fact is, we don't know what we don't know. We can't see what we can't see. See, and I can sit. Okay, let's just. Go around in a circle a few times. Okay, we'll just go around. (laughs) Oh, now you know where you're at. Okay, come on, let's turn around. I can't see. (laughs) Okay, you can stop there. Okay, turn. Here, here. I want you to smile at everyone. He doesn't know where he's facing, so he doesn't know how to even follow the instructions, right? No? Blind leading blind. <laughs> no, I'm not blind. I can see. <laughs> but he says, listen, you were chosen in me, Reuben, before the foundations of the world. Yes, hallelujah. And when you knew the truth, the truth brought a revelation so that you could be sealed with the Holy Spirit. So now I pray that the eyes of your understanding. I can see. 
that the eyes of your understanding, thank you, would be enlightened. Why? So you would know the hope of your calling. I can, I can look at someone and I can see amazing things in them, but it really doesn't help them unless they can see it. We need the eyes of our understanding, the blinders to go off so we can have an understanding of the hope of our calling. And you know what? Yours isn't going to look like mine and mine isn't going to look like yours. We can get rid of every ounce of comparison when I know I'm walking in my calling. When I know that God's hand is upon me. That you would know the hope of your calling and the riches of the glorious inheritance. Oh my gosh. When the blinders come off, you can start seeing, I got an inheritance. Katie talked about her bank account overflowing. That's already there in the spirit. But if the eyes of our understanding can't see that it's already overflowing, we can live as a pauper and be the daughter or son of a king. Isn't that right? Somebody could deposit a million dollars into your checking account, but if you don't know it, you'll never write a check on it. So we have to see what we carry, the calling, the inheritance, the beauty that we hold, the treasure that's on the inside of us. And not just for what we do, but who we are. What we do is just a reflection of what we do. What we do is just a reflection of who we are. See, it's about our identity. It's about our purpose. That's God's plan. But the enemy has a plan. See, now I could just stay there and you'd leave and say, oh, that made me feel good today. But the fact is the enemy has a plan. John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we know that Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly, and he paid the price to defeat every work of darkness. But the fact is the enemy is very skilled at manipulation. He's very skilled at lying to us. He's very skilled to try to get us to trip up. He attacks us body, soul, and spirit. He attacks, he attacks, and he attacks. And it's not just the devil himself. It's every demon of hell. And it's every lie that he screams. And the fact is, life isn't fair for any person on the planet. You hear my stories, you might hear some of Stevens. I probably tell more of my stories than he does. But he tells stories, but not some of the rough stories. <laughs> oh, they're above R rated. <laughs> but life isn't fair. But either we're going to spend the rest of our life focused on what the enemy has done, or we're going to step into a place of truth and take responsibility and say, devil, I'm going to be your worst nightmare. I'm going to be the opposite of everything you said I could be or couldn't be. Everything God called me to do and you said I can't do it, bless God, I'm going to do it. You're defeated. I cannot live the rest of my life making excuses because of what happened to me. But I can't do that in my own strength. I have to have revelation of how the Father sees me. And so it's a process because we grow line upon line, here a little, there a little. And the more the truth is established inside of us, the more we can walk that out. Because wherever there's been injustice, and what is an injustice? In my definition, it's an abuse of power. Where I use my power to take away from you God destined you to have. And so for me, and this is one reason why we don't want children at the shame thing, because we're going to go deep. <laughs> but at two years old, how could a little two-year-old be blamed for being molested? Come on, guys. It began at two years old. It was the enemy's strategy to kill, steal, and destroy. It was the enemy's strategy to say, Melody, you can't trust anyone. 
It was the enemy's strategy to say, you're not good enough. You're damaged goods. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never be a success. You'll never be happy. You'll never feel peace. You'll never feel safe. You won't ever be able to trust. That was his plan. But you know what? The thief only comes to steal what is valuable. <laughs> if I would have had revelation then, why did he target me? Is because I carry something awesome. Why did he target you? Because you carry something awesome. Come on, guys. That's why we have to see the truth. Because the truth dismantles the lie that took place in those seasons of injustice in our life. And that injustice produces shame, which is a false identity. I even remember in the first, like, 15 years of ministry, everyone said, Melody, you're not relational. You're so task-oriented. You're not relational at all. And I go, well, I guess I'm not relational. Or you remember they say that all the time. You're not relational. Donnie, you probably remember that being said about me all the time. Oh, Melody's not relational. What a lie. Now that I've gotten older, I realize I'm one of the most relational people I know. I love people with all my heart. I realize I might not be social like in game nights. You know, I might not be social to play, but man, I'll give my heart to you. And I'll love you right where you're at because there was people who loved me right where I was at. And I know I carry that love, and I know I'm very relational, but what did the enemy do? He targeted me to stifle my ability to express what God put inside of me. See, it screams lies about who we are. It erects a veil. And see, when those lies is what I believe, the lies actually become more real to me than the truth. When I would hear, Melody, you're not relational, I believed him. And then Miss Relational in Giving Light, Tracy Tressler, started hanging around me. She goes, that's a lie. That's a lie. She told me all the time, you're relational. You're relational. And every time I'd say I was, I'm not relational, she would confront me. That's a lie. That's not true. I know you. And she's very aggressive. Praise God. If I can't see it in me, God puts people in our lives that can see it in us. It's because the fact is when I believe the lies, I walk in those lies. I make my decisions based upon those lies. So every decision I'm making for my life is twisted and perverted and opposite of who I really am opposite of what God's called me to do. So instead of walking through open doors, I'm running from them because I won't succeed if I go through it anyway. So why even try? Our ability to see who God is is so perverted. The moment I mess up, get ready, that big old hammer is going to come down from heaven and bop me in the head. My washer broke. I must have sinned. <laughs> I, I would think that. If something went wrong, I was in, in my bedroom repenting of all my sin, and I didn't even know what sin it was, but I was trying to cover every track I could cover, you know? Because if something went wrong, something must be wrong with me. What a lie of the enemy. It's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But my God came to give life and life more abundantly. See, when we don't have the ability to see who God is or see who we are, it totally affects every relationship in my life. I was married to this man for 17 years and never gave him my heart. I held Melody's not just secrets about what happened to me, but how I felt, the battles, the fears, the struggles. I, I wasn't vulnerable. I wasn't open. 
Fear was so intense, but I didn't acknowledge it because I couldn't appear weak in front of anybody else, even him. Really, when I got married, I didn't want a husband. I wanted a daddy because I didn't have a daddy. Men of God in this house, You have the ability to reach out and model before others what Jesus looks like, what the Father looks like. And the more you walk like him, the more you can help touch the hearts of those who either didn't have a dad, they had an absent dad, or they could have had an abusive dad. So when I believe these lies, it affects our relationships. We're constantly emotionally hijacking, reacting to everything because it doesn't take much. Oh, Tim says something to me, my button is pushed and I'm ready. <laughs> you know, I mean, and he just said, I just said hello. Oh, I heard something different. It was the way you said hello. I could tell you were being critical of me. Come on, come on. We twist things. It distorts. So we're constantly emotionally defaulting to lies rather than the truth. The more we believe a lie, the more it's manifested in our life. That's why we have to be freed from shame, which is a false identity. Fear, which is a false reality. Chester and Betsy Kilstra, they're great inner healing ministers, and their definition of shame says, this is what it means. It is a sense of being uniquely and hopelessly flawed. It leaves a person feeling different and less valuable than other human beings. I'm uncomfortable being around so-and-so. Why? It's not because of them. It's because I don't see my value. Why in this house are we a gossip-free zone and a prejudice-free zone? Because you cannot look at a person and have any idea about their life. You don't know their battles, their struggles, their ups, their downs, their hurts. You might, you're not even getting a glimpse of the amazing treasure that they hold just by looking at them. But when we are a safe place... Good, bad, and ugly has the ability to come out. Have you ever felt sick to your stomach and once you threw up, you felt better? We need a safe place to let some things out. We need a safe place to recognize we're not the only one who's felt these things. After 15 years of ministry and God just began to heal me, I remember I stood, probably up there, I stood up there and I told my story and the work of healing God began in my life. Some of you were here at that time. And people were going, phew, I couldn't measure up to Melody because Melody never had a problem. They didn't know I was riddled with them. Melody seemed so bold and strong and confident and secure, not knowing inside of me I was shaking in my proverbial boots. Come on. I was living in fear that if I said or did anything wrong, somebody would just get up and leave the church. Or if I didn't do something right, they would gossip about me, which happened many times because I happened to be a woman in ministry at a time when that was not acceptable. So the thing I feared came upon me all the time. The problem was it affected me. If somebody stood up and said, Melody, you shouldn't be preaching, you're a woman, I'd go, bless your darling heart. Do you want me to teach you the word? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you go talk to my husband about it? <laughs> I'd let him take care of it. He always was my big cheerleader. He'd say, you're okay with God, you're okay with me, just do it, Melody. 
If it wasn't for him, who knows where I would be? And because he's a celebrator of me, guess what? We are a celebrator of you. And it's not because you're perfect, because neither are we. It's because we're all a work in progress, dismantling the lies of the enemy so we can step into truth. So that you can see the amazing treasure you hold. I just want to tell you, you want to put up my cake up there? Here's, oh, they made it with a nice little thing around it. That's nice. It was one evening, and we had gone through so much. And there was a couple in a church who, it was in the middle of a snowstorm, invited Stephen and me and our kids over for dinner. Isn't that nice? Well, when we got there to sit down to dinner, they began to rake us over the coals, everything that was wrong with us. Everything we were doing wrong, everything the church did was wrong, and just, you have no anointing, you're not called, you know, and they're just going on and on, and our two little kids are just sitting in there in the midst of that, listening to that garbage. Man, I didn't have the courage, I didn't have the guts to say, guys, if you're going to talk to us like this, we're out of here. If you want to leave, leave. If you want to go, go. But no. We just let them do it over waves of attack over and over and over. Why? Because I couldn't see my worth. And I was afraid if I did anything, it would just get worse. And maybe the flawed person that I was would be exposed. And I remember coming home. They didn't live that far away, but it was bad roads. Do you remember that? you remember this story, honey? You don't remember this story. Oh, my gosh. My brain's protecting me. <laughs> well, probably because it was a defining moment of my life that I remember everything that led up to that. And so I went home, and I, I don't even know where Stephen was. Who knew where he was? But I remember I put the kids to bed, and I went off by myself. And I just curled up in a corner and I just cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. And I cried so hard because I believed everything they said. Because it reinforced all the shame-based thoughts that were inside of me. And I was rehearsing all those horrible things they were saying about me and about us. And then at that moment, I had an encounter with the Father. And that sounds really glorious, doesn't it? It wasn't. Because it was an encounter with truth. And in a flash, I mean, this happened probably in seconds, I saw so many events of when I was a little girl. I remembered vaguely some of those things, but it just like flashed, these memories came back. And it wasn't pleasant. And then he showed me a vision and he said, Melody, this is you, and that was the vision. He said, you're like a three-layered cake. On that bottom layer is shame. And that's a false identity. You do not know who you are because of all these things. And it wasn't just molestation. It was just all kinds of things. It's not always just one thing. It's a bunch of things because then it builds and it adds more to the history. And he said, and then the middle layer is fear. And that fear is there so nobody sees the shame. You're afraid if anybody sees who I really am, if you see that I'm not perfect. You know, I just heard of a, a statistic this week that they said some of the most depressed people are from religious organizations. And the reason is because they don't have the freedom to be authentic. Guys, 
Let's be a church family that's authentic. We don't have to tell, we don't have to spew everything. You don't have to do that. There's right places, right times, connecting. That's why we're doing March 7th and March 14th. Because some of the old folks in this house, <laughs> they kind of grew up on this stuff, right? And we received so much healing through the years. Now let's take it to the next crew. So you can be free. So you can understand why you feel the way you feel and that you're not alone. And I will show that first night how these, this cake was the first thing the man and the woman in the garden experienced. I'll prove it to you biblically, which I didn't know until later on. So there was this fear covering my shame. And then on top of that was control. That was the walls I built around myself to protect me from you. <laughs> protect me from my husband because I was a horrible wife. Just knowing I was messing up my kids because I'm a horrible mother. You can even ask Rebecca one time. I mean, she told me this after, you know, she's older and all this stuff happened. She goes, you would repent a lot, but you repented so much that the repentance didn't mean that much anymore. Because I'd screw up and I'd repent, which is a good thing to do. But then I went and did it again. And then I'd repent and I went and did it again. Because see that icing on top of my shame, fear, control. And I want to say one more thing about control. Control keeps you from hurting me, which is not true. We think it's going to protect us. But it also keeps us locked inside of us that we don't even see who we are. It's locked away in some isolated hidden room somewhere that we won't let it out. It's too scary to take a risk to be who God created you to be. And we're living in a culture where people are afraid to talk. Because I might say it wrong, do it wrong. I'll be shamed, I'll be canceled, I'll be shut down. I'll be blacklisted. All the way from the highest levels in the land to the family unit. It's, it's a part of a fallen culture. But what covered that shame, fear, control was icing. It might look sweet, but it wasn't. He showed me, everyone's icing might be different. For me, my icing was anger. And really, I didn't let anger out much after I said, God, if you're there, do something in my life. And I began to walk with the Lord. But I lived in constant anger, mostly towards myself. And the only ones I could really get away with being angry towards were my two kids. Because they'll love you no matter how crazy you are. Come on, isn't this true? Because you're the only mom they got. Ask them if these things be true. I'm so glad I began to get healed before they left home because it gave me time to live a different life before them. And repent and change. <laughs> Ask them. They'll tell you they would have rather have their dad, big old six-foot-two guy, whoop them more than this little five-foot girl. Why? Because when I'd whoop them back when it was legal, <laughs> we'd gone past the statutes of limitation, <laughs> and my kids won't press charges or I'll beat the tar out of them. Okay. <laughs> We need some levity, okay? That was the Holy Ghost. I'm not funny normally. But they would rather me, they would rather their dad whoop them than me. Why? 
because I was angry. I wasn't disciplining out of training. I was disciplining out of anger. If their grades weren't such and such, it embarrassed me. If they didn't perform perfectly, it embarrassed me. So I must be a terrible mother. If my kids did something wrong, it was a reflection on me. What a lie. Now I got grandkids. It's so much better being a grandma. Now they do crazy things and you're going, hey, they'll get over it. No worries. But I took the actions of a two-year-old or a four-year-old or a six-year-old and personalized it. That's a wounded mama. And I was pastoring at this time. Come on, guys. We have no idea what people hold. And then you see the fruit on top? Oh, you took my cake away. <laughs> and then you see the fruit on the top. And all that fruit the Lord spoke to me was the lies that I believe that covered that cake. So because of the shame, fear, and control, and my knee-jerk reaction to get angry, and why do we get angry? Because we feel shamed? Because our needs are not being met? Or we're being belittled? We're being put down? Anyone speak negative towards you? <laughs> it's going to stir shame if you don't know who you are. But that, uh, the fruit on the top were all the lies that I believed. I couldn't give my heart fully to my husband because I believed I was damaged goods. I believed there was nothing inside of me that could ever make this man happy. And it wasn't because of him, it was because of me. And he had his own shame, think probably the same thing about me. Now I look back and I said, I, I, I can't imagine loving someone as much as I love him. For 40, we'll be 46 years old, married, 46 years married this summer. <laughs> I don't even feel 46 years old, let it be married 46 years. But I stand in awe. But it wasn't because we've done everything right. It's because we have a father who loves us and never left us, never forsook us, never abandoned us. Debbie was up here. Debbie has been a friend of mine for years. And when I was going through all my mess after the revelation of the cake, we'd go off to a hotel and we would just pray for days. I'd be crying out for revelation because I knew the only way I could get free is if God spoke to me. I had enough history with God, and the word of God was in me enough that caused me to know where to run. See, shame is a false identity. It goes much farther than the lie to where you believe that is who you really are. You're not loving. You're not relationship, relational. You're not good enough. We all have our own set of lies that we believed or maybe that we believe now. I tell you, it blinds us. It hinders our ability to see. Just like that blindfold that was on Reuben. It hinders our ability to... But it doesn't just blind us. It binds us. When I believe these lies, it literally binds my ability to do what I normally could do. It's an irritant, too. And see... Aren't you glad I didn't call you up, Dan? Okay. Honestly, we walk around, we're not seeing clearly, we're not able to do with freedom what God's called us to do because we're afraid of being shamed. So we hold back, we pull back, we withdraw. 
We want to love people, but we don't know how. We want to give of ourselves, but we're afraid it's not going to be received. Man, if I can't see my value, how can I see yours? If I can't see good inside of me, I would be afraid to give you anything because it has to be faulty because something is wrong with me. I can't see my notes with my eyes closed. I can't scratch my back with my hands tied. I don't even know where I'm facing right now. But I want you to know, I lived 37 years of my life like this. In my heart. Go ahead, honey. You could get rid of it now. I was waiting for the cue. <laughs> I forgot. Thank you. When we're bound, we listen to the accuser of the brethren. Why can't I see clearly? Why can't I do what's in my heart to do? So the accuser of the brethren comes and he just barat, man, you're, if you, that's why I hate hopelessness because the moment you get hopeless, you go search for the lies of the enemy on what we're going to believe. Hope causes me to search for life. Fear makes me want to run and hide. But love pulls me out. I walk in an agreement with the enemy. You know what happens? I begin to work for love rather than from love. So if I do this, 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 this for Laura, then she'll love me. Rather than, I love Laura, so I'll do this. Do you see the difference? If I reach out and give to you, so maybe you'll love me. Maybe I'll be good enough to you. Maybe you'll value me. Maybe you'll celebrate me, so I'll do all these things to try to get something from you. Listen to all Joel's sermons. You should listen to everyone when he talks about needs. It is so deep. It's so revelatory. It's so powerful because the fact is, if we live to just get our needs met, guess what? We have just given away our power. God is the meter of our needs. My husband was so excited. I told you earlier and didn't finish it. I didn't want a husband, I wanted a daddy. And he was not a good daddy to me. He didn't know how to be a daddy. I never told him this. This was all secretly inside of me. That's putting a lot of pressure on someone to meet a need in you that they don't even have the power to do it. He was sighing a sigh of relief when I got healed and said, do you know what? You're not the meter of my needs. My God is the meter of my needs. I look unto him, the author and the finisher of my faith. Before there was sin in the Garden of Eden, guess what? Eve knew exactly who she was in him. Adam knew exactly who he was in him. But after sin, they felt like they couldn't go to him. So her desire turned towards her husband. You're going to meet my needs. He can't. And if you think you can meet someone's core identity and core purpose, you'll live in frustration. But you can be a voice of truth. You can love unconditionally. You can help and support and encourage and bring life and give opportunities. There's a lot of ways we can support one another. We just can't do what only the Spirit of God can do. See, when we walk in the shame, it brings a sense of dishonor. We feel embarrassed. Oh, that so embarrassed me. 
I remember before I'd get up to preach, I could see myself tripping and falling and doing all, you know, I'd have dreams at night of me not being able to speak when I got up to speak. (laughs) What was that? It was shame saying, you watch, you're going to fall flat in your face. You're going to mess up. Now, if I mess up, so what? I'm a human being just like you. (laughs) That's liberating. (laughs) I might have this amazing honor to help in this pastoral team. I have what an honor to work with our leaders, to work with the other pastors. It's beautiful. But I'm not perfect, and that's okay. Donna. Oh my gosh, it's almost 12 and I didn't get to the healing part. Oh my gosh, I thought I'd do all this in 20 minutes. Okay, I got, I got to... I don't have 20 more minutes. So let me just skip that story. It was a good story, Donna. Okay. You know what? This shame can't be forgiven. We have to be healed. Did you ever do something and you repent and repent and repent and repent and repent and you still can't get rid of that horrible feeling? So you repent and you repent and you repent and you repent. Oh, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Oh, God, forgive me. And I can't get rid of it. Why? It's because it has to be healed. It's not a sin. Or even if it is, the bottom line is you can't repent away a false identity. You've got to believe differently. So when the power of shame is broken, I'm going to go through this really, really fast. When the power of shame is broken, you'll see a whole, W-H-O-L-E, person come forth. Oh, and you got notes on your uh, app, so you can look at them. You'll begin to know who you are in him, which reveals your identity. You'll be released to destiny, purpose. You'll begin to see that I actually carry something amazing on the inside of me, and I want to give it to you. How do we all help with the work in the house? Just be who we are. The wall, the veils will come down that have hindered our relationship with God and others. This is a big one. See, I I can't preach now because time's up. But you'll be released from a victim mentality to a victor's mentality. And that one's huge. Because when shame is there, I always see myself as a victim. Somebody's out to get me. Somebody's out to put me down. Somebody's out to take from me. I told you I wouldn't preach it. I'll stop. But I'll tell you, we have a weapon. And that weapon is to be kissed by our Father. In Song of Solomon, it says, chapter 1, verse 2, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. You know what the word kiss means? It means to be equipped with weaponry. My goodness, when my father kisses me, I have got some weapons now to fight. I know I'm loved by God. You got a problem with me? Bless your heart. I know I'm loved by my God. Oh, I've messed up. I run to the author and the finisher of my faith because I know I'm a work in progress. And I give that same grace to you because you're a work in progress. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to slander you. I'm not going to gossip about you. I'm not going to pick out all the things that you should change or you should be different. Oh, my gosh. What a waste of emotional energies. Because the fact is, when I've been kissed by my God, when I know his love, I will not look out to blame anyone for anything. Let them walk out their own salvation with fear and trembling. I'll be here to help, but I'm not going to control. God's promise, and this is a promise that he spoke to me. And I'm going to not do the last page. Isaiah 61, verses 7 through 9. When the power of shame is broken, it says, Instead of shame, my people will receive a double portion. Just think about what was stolen from you. Think about the lies. God says, don't worry about it. You got a double portion. (laughs) And instead of disgrace, embarrassment, humiliation, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land. So that's not in the sweet by and by when we live with Jesus forever and ever and all eternity. No. 
We will have a double portion in their land. Right here, right now is our time for a double portion. Everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, I love this. I, the Lord, love justice. My next sermon, I don't know when I'm going to preach it, but I'm going to preach on God being a God of justice. I, the Lord, love justice. In fact, he rules and reigns from a throne that is established on righteousness and justice. I don't have the scripture reference, but that's a scripture. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and I hate iniquity. He hates how you've been stolen from. He hates how you've been sinned against. But he says, but in my faithfulness, I will reward them and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. He's saying, yeah, that garbage happened. But I want you to know I'm faithful and I've made a covenant with you and I'm going to reward you and I'm going to make sure you get that double portion. I'm going to make sure you get that double honor and then to top it off. And my kids might even remember when God gave me this revelation in this scripture because I went home and told them because the next line is and your children will be known among the nations and your offspring among the people. You have to fight with truth to confront every lie of the enemy for your sake to receive double portion, double inheritance, double honor, but also so that your children and your grandchildren and generations to come can walk in that blessing and that favor. You're not just doing it for you, you're doing it for them. And God promises us he will do that. It's time for double, guys. God doesn't say, well, you shouldn't. He goes, no. Did you ever even do stupid things yourself to yourself? Because of your own shame, you did a lot of crazy things. I did. But he said, instead of the shame of even the things you did to yourself, I'm going to give you double. You're going to have that inheritance. I want to let you know everything that has been stolen from you in every way that you've been sinned against. Either we can live there or we can turn around and say, no, I'm going for my double. I'm going for my inheritance. I really hope that you're able to come on March 7th and March 14th because we're really going to unpack this together. And we're going to have people there on the second night that we're going to focus on just praying. Probably there'll they'll be a short teaching like today. <laughs> but then we're going to focus on ministering because do you know what? It's only by his grace. It's by his power. And I'm not teaching this because I have some great power, but I will tell you this. What you overcome, you carry an authority to bring revelation to. I know what it's like to live in shame. So you can't shock me with anything. And you won't have to say a word if you don't want to. But you can receive. Father, right now, I love this people. Father, I just thank you that you're making ways for individuals to be able to go step by step into the discovery of their true God-given identity. To have the blinders off and the things that have bound them tight to be loose so that they can walk into the fullness of their purpose. And that they would step into a place of not having to control their world to protect themselves. But just to simply walk in self-control. Because they're no longer a victim. They're a victor. Father, I bless them, each one, in Jesus' name. Amen.